for listening to another episode of Cosmic Peach. I'm Julia, and today we have on a very, very special guest. It's my cousin, Brian. How you doing, cousin? Very good. How is everyone? We are good, just living our best paranormal life. And okay. I know you were you were thinking about starting a podcast yourself, actually, so this is good experience for you. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I love it. But your podcast isn't going to be about ghosts and conspiracy theories. You're cooler than me. You have like a whole niche of your own. (laughs) Your own niche of my own, just about the city of Cleveland. Yeah. So today we're going to talk a little bit on more of the paranormal side, kind of getting away from some heavy conspiracy theories. And I know you have like some, some paranormal stuff that has happened to you before. And I was wondering if you would share with the class. Sure, absolutely. So I have three separate short stories that I think kind of highlight any paranormal events that I've had. Um, And the first, most of them were when I was a child uh, growing up in uh, a suburb of Cleveland. And we actually lived in a house that my grandfather had built. We were the only family that had ever lived in it. But my grandfather did die in the house. And um, as a kid, I didn't realize this at the time, but I always had an uncomfortable feeling in that house. Uh, like I was being watched. Didn't matter if I was in the basement or my bedrooms or home alone or if somebody was there or not. <clears throat> it just always felt uncomfortable uh, in, in some sense. And uh, when I got older, I realized that's not normal. But when you're a kid, you don't realize that's, that's mm-hmm. not normal. You're just like, okay, this is probably because I'm a kid or I just don't feel comfortable. <clears throat> but the first story is uh, we had a, a small one. It, it had three bedrooms, but it was a very small house. Couldn't be more than a thousand square feet. And there was one hallway that all the bedrooms and bathroom uh, branched from. And my parents' bedroom, the master bedroom, wasn't a huge room, but as kids, we weren't really permitted to go in there. And uh, I liked going in there because my father had a closet where there was binoculars and knives and just interesting things that kids like to play with. So I snuck in there when he was outside in the backyard. It was a summer day and he was... uh, listening to at that time the Cleveland Indians on the radio outside in the yard and I snuck out of my room and into his room to go try to get some of the little goodies that he had on top of the shelf in his closet now in that room and this will be for more of the older viewers 
<clears throat> there was an old television that did not have a remote. It, you had to change the channel. You had to actually turn a knob on there and it would say like from three to 19, I think. And you mm-hmm. turn to what channel you wanted, but to turn it on, you had to pull a knob. There was a knob on the front of it. You literally pulled out and you could hear a tube heat up in the, in the television before it would turn on or while it was turning on. So I was in there and I had my back to this television and I was in the closet snooping around and I heard that knob pull out and the television came on and like the hair just stood up on, on the back of my neck. That's that feeling that you get when, you know, you are, you know, you're not alone. There was something there, like get out of this room. Because it also mm-hmm. used to be my mm-hmm. grandfather's room, and I was it your out. grandfather's t- TV. It might have been. It was real old. I mean, it was color, but it was old. Um, Brian, it could have been your grandpa's TV. <laughs> it very well could have. It wouldn't have surprised me because my dad would keep stuff like that. And uh, I ran outside. I booked it out of there, and I'll never forget my. I told my father about it and I'll never forget his excuse because it still doesn't make sense to me to this day. And he rationalized it. And I go, dad, that television in your room, it just turned on. And first he's like, well, why are are you in my room? (laughs) But then he goes, well, there was a plane flying above the house at that time. And that plane probably, and now I'm like, this is the stupidest excuse I've ever heard in my entire life for why that would have ever happened. So, but your dad was like that though. He'd be like, "Oh, Brian, come." <laughs> I know. He probably didn't even believe me. And uh so that that was that was one story there. And the other two stories I have all happened in this house. So, the next one years later. This has got to be 12 years later. My parents were having problems um uh, in their life at that time. And they wanted me to move back home. My mom was kind of starting with her dementia and my dad was having his issues and they wanted somebody to come in and kind of just help with things at the house and my, help my mom get ready. Um, but my dad was still driving at this time and he was taking my mom. They were going to go get something to eat. And I was just moving my stuff back in. And this time I was going to um, try to stay in the basement while they stayed upstairs. So this is like 2004. I was rearranging stuff in the basement. I'll never forget this because I was alone in the house. And I took a picture down off the wall. Okay. And I was going to put my own picture up. So I take the picture down off the wall in the basement. I walk, go around the corner, put that uh, picture in another room just happened to be the laundry room, come back around the corner, come back in the room. And in the very spot that I took that picture down was now hanging a picture of me and an ex-girlfriend I had from SeaWorld. It was a cartoon character that they do at SeaWorld. And it was just hanging in the spot that I just took a picture down. I've never been as an adult man, and it was like 50 degrees and raining outside, I 
ran out the house, ran into the rain, and stood there in a t-shirt till they came back home. That's how freaking scared I was. Was it even anywhere near where you were? That picture from SeaWorld? That I, I, I swear, you know, it's one of these things. The only thing I could think of that it might possibly be was and Kim I cannot home? believe it is that it might have been behind that other picture. But the thing I'm thinking is, how? I took it down. I looked at the picture. I looked at the wall. I Why would I miss this giant, colorful cartoon picture of me and an ex-girlfriend just mm-hmm. on the wall? Um, I, I saw it instantly when I came back in the room. <laughs> You were like, what is this picture of me and this, me and this ex-girlfriend doing? <laughs> oh, God, that was so scary, man. That and you was don't the... think Kim was messing with you? Was she even home or anything? No, I was there, just there by myself. I was there by myself in the basement, Weird. just moving my stuff around. Kim lived in Indiana at the time, actually. Oh, okay, so, so she definitely she wasn't definitely wasn't around. You. Yeah, she wasn't around. And the last story I have from that that place. But wait, so did you tell your mom why you were standing oh. out in the rain? <laughs> yeah, they saw me and they said, Brian, what are you doing there? And I couldn't think of anything other than the truth to tell them because <laughs> why the hell would anybody be standing outside in the rain in a t-shirt like that? I mean, I was so scared. I stayed at the bottom of the driveway. I wouldn't even stay like... <laughs> I was under a street lamp. I wasn't going anywhere. I was, <laughs> I didn't even want to look in the windows of the house. I was waiting for a stupid face to come popping up or something. I'm like, I'm not <laughs> looking in there. I don't want to know what's in there. I don't care what's in there. But I'm you scared. know, what's funny when I talked to your sister, the first, I said, do you have any ghost stories? Like have, have you ever had it? The first thing she said was, I never felt comfortable in that house you're talking. She was like, it always felt like you were being watched. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And actually, uh, I'm currently reading a book called When Ghosts Speak. And it's actually written by a woman who uh, lives in the Cleveland area or lived in the Cleveland area for most of her life. She grew up in Little Italy. She she claims to have a gift where she can speak to spirits telepathically. Um, but as she was growing up, even as a little girl, she was invited to funerals and whatnot. And she would speak to these, uh, to the recently departed. She'd see them and like pass that in whatever information needed to be passed to family members. And, uh, and then she said, as she, she grew more and more experienced with things, she could open up basically what I would call a portal of light that these spirits could then walk into and then not be in the earth realm. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just interesting when I do read it, that the way she describes certain things, like the way people feel when they do have a spirit, maybe living in their home does normally match what my feelings were when I was there. And it would be, you know, that was interesting to me. I don't know if I'll believe everything that she she wrote in the book. But at the same time, you know, that resonated with me because I have experience with it. So, 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They ended up making a movie about her, I think, or a television show starring Jennifer Love Hewitt. It was based off of a character based off of this woman. It was called like Ghost Whisperer or something. I don't think I ever saw it. So do you, so you do believe in like the supernatural and paranormal though? You think that it's, cause you know how like our family is, we love watching scary movies. Love we it. love, yeah. you know, so, I mean, I, I have to acknowledge that there's more after we die. And I don't know how people get stuck here to get to haunt or to become like active in our world after they've passed over. But you have to admit it's something tangible. Like you can actually see video evidence or, you know, Mm. it's, it is real. Well, it's definitely fascinating to me. Um, I've always been attracted to, that idea i read a lot of books about it um i watch shows about it it's and some of it might be because there is something inside me that does fight with that because you know you you can easily be dismissed for having feelings that are are different than you know Mm -hmm. like a skeptic like your dad was kind of a skeptic yeah. Oh no. And I, and I definitely am a skeptic. I, I'm not going to believe just anything, you know, but um, I can't deny personal experiences. And there is something to be said, like when you, I always say, listen to your gut. And there, there are certain people when you hear them speak and you hear their stories, you can even go, even if you don't want to believe them, like what has happened to them, you know, that they believe what mm-hmm. has happened to them. You know, it's very real for them. They're not making it up. Uh, they can get very, very emotional about it. As a matter of fact, they can get so emotional that they can't speak about it, don't want to speak about it, or it's very, uh, you know, it's a sensitive topic. Yeah. So I, I know that your, it, it's real in some what ways. What was your thoughts on some of this stuff? Like, because you know, and then we'll get to your third story, you know, like my sister, Brooke, Brittany, like everybody has had some kind of experience at Mama's house, not the old house, but the the new house that was on 20 or not 20, but whatever that road is over there. Yeah, well, the reality for me is I had I had I never had experiences like them, but I did have um, similar feelings, you know, about similar to the way I felt at the other house mm-hmm. when I was there. But I don't have a story uh, that is anywhere close to as good or, uh, you know, along the lines that some of the other things that had happened in that house, like that I was hearing <laughs> from you guys. That just absolutely blew my mind. And it would be crazy because every time we'd all get together, like our, like my mom and like our aunt would be talking about ghost stories and like everybody would be like, well, this happened to me and this happened to me. And I was like, so wait a second, everybody is. <laughs> well, you were part of it, apparently, without you knowing about it. You were definitely yeah. part of it. 
dancing yeah. in the, in the uh, driveway and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was wild. I actually did a, a podcast on somebody else's show about all, I just collected all those stories. I put them in like a little, you know, timeline and I went on somebody else's show and I told all those stories. It hasn't come out yet, but it is, it'll be fun for you to listen to because I will love it. I'm sure you've forgotten some. <laughs> I'll love it. Yeah, did now. I know you said you had your brother on, but did Dave go over probably one of the best UFO stories I've ever heard? Did he do it? Yes, did he tell you about he it? He did. He did. He actually had two other stories on top of that one. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm going to wait to listen to to. Yeah, uh, no, I'm not going to give any spoilers. <laughs> so, what's your third listen. story? So, the third one is actually probably the scariest of them all. And, uh, to me, and, uh, it's a, it, it is 100% true. And one of the, probably the most paranormal thing that's ever happened to me. But when I was in high school <clears throat> and, uh, my mom had, she hadn't really started developing her dementia yet. She was just kind of like, she was still pretty regular, pretty normal, but, um, I was not the best kid, you know, I, I like to go and uh, Magic the Gathering had just started coming out. This is like 96, 97. And I would go to toy stores like Toys R Us or like KB in the mall or something. And I had like, it's like a kleptomaniac. I wanted to steal these things. I was stealing these cards. Don't even ask me why. It was just like something I was doing. And uh <clears throat> I was trying to figure out values of them and just, it was just this little, like this little thing, but I was sitting in my uh, parents, I was in that same house and I'm, I'm sitting in the living room and, and the television was on and uh, everyone else had gone to bed and I had all my magic the gathering cards out and I was looking at them and I was looking at the values of them. And this goes back to that feeling of always being watched. But this time it was stronger than normal. And that's the only way I can describe it. Like so thick was this feeling. Like it, you could feel it in the air. And other people might know what I'm talking about when they hear that. Like this was different. The air was so thick you could f touch it. It was tangible. You could, you could sense it. That's like the same thing that like makes your hair stand up like on your arms. Yeah, I have goosebumps because I know exactly what you're talking about. It's just different. And that's the best way I can describe it. And I could feel like there was something in the kitchen. Just could feel it. Now the kitchen was attached right to the living room. It, all you had to do was go through an open doorway. There was no door. It's just like a little archway doorway. And there was an entrance right into the kitchen. In the kitchen, it was nighttime. It was pitch black in there. There was no lights on. So again, you have this like eerie feeling that there's just something I can't see in this kitchen. But I'm, I was either a junior or senior in high school at this time. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, this is my mind playing tricks on me. Like, I am not going to be scared from something stupid like this. Like, before I go to bed, I have to get up. I have to turn this television off. I've got to put all my stuff away. I've got it. So I was looking up the values of these magic Ganon cards. I put the, I'll never forget this. There was a card that came up and this card 
was called Cast a Dark Spell. And on Cast a Dark Spell, there was this hooded figure, I remember, with like these red eyes. And I was like, whatever, put the card down. I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. I stand up to go turn that television off because I wasn't using a remote. I was just going to press the button on it. I looked to my right and I just felt like, and my right was where the kitchen was at. I felt just something rush at me and boom. I Next thing you know, I was on a recliner next to the, uh, yeah, I was on a recliner, just terrified. Like something had shoved me, but I can't explain this type of shove. It was not physical in the way that like you would feel like a football player hits you. It was just like this movement of energy that it hit me. And it, and I just fell onto this recliner that was the one that my dad would sit in for watching television. I was sitting on the floor next to that with my cards. Brian. I stayed on this thing for like two minutes because I was just so scared. Like there's this feeling where you're so scared. You don't know what to do because something you're is paralyzed. just paralyzed. Yeah, you're paralyzed. Something just hit me. I don't know where it is. I can't see anything. Now, granted, I did not feel anything after this. I didn't feel like something was standing behind me or was in the room or I was going to get attacked again. It's just like something had hit me. And then I'm just terrified. So I was probably in that chair for like a couple minutes, maybe up to five minutes. Felt like a really long time, but I just could not get the feeling under my legs to walk. I calmed myself down. I didn't scream. I didn't make any kind of big deal. Calmed myself down, cleaned up the cards. The television's already off. I'm about to turn off the light and go to bed. I hear the door to my mother's bedroom, my parents' bedroom. It opens and my mom comes out. And I, I don't think at this time I looked like there was anything wrong with me. But maybe my mom noticed something, but she looks at me and she goes, Brian, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, mom, I'm fine. I was just cleaning up these cards and, uh, and uh, you know, I turned off the television. I'm getting ready for bed. And she goes, well, I've got to tell you, I had to get up and come see you because I just had the strangest dream. And I said, mom, what are you talking about? She goes, well, this dream, it just scared me. And, what, and she goes, I had to get up to see if you were okay. She goes, I didn't know if you were sleeping right now or what was wrong. But she goes, something inside me, I just had to get up to see if you're okay. She goes, having this dream and this hooded figure with these red eyes was attacking you. Oh, my God. Get it, talking about it right now gives <gasps> me chills. Just Brian, talk, I, got, just I look like a it. featherless chicken right now. <laughs> I, I was, uh, I was absolutely, I broke down after that. I just told her everything. I was like crying. She goes, Brian, you need to get rid of these cards. And I was like, you know what? You're probably right. I got, I, I obtained them through means that Mm -hmm. were not, not very good. And, uh, I'll never forget that though. And, uh, yeah, my mom. When she said that to me, I was just like, "I'm done. That's it." Oh my god! <laughs> That's it. 
That oh my god! Story. That was the that was the big biggest paranormal thing that's ever happened to me. But you know, that's so crazy because Kim told me a story about her having some little friend or something over, and they were having a sleepover, I guess, in the living room. And her friend woke up in the middle of the night and she heard like keys jingling. Do you remember yeah. this story? Yes. And she saw a hooded figure hovering over Kim's body. Oh, shit. You don't remember that one? No. Yeah, so she I remember that I remember the keys. I didn't remember them saying that there was a hooded figure. Well, so her friend woke up and Kim was still asleep. And her friend said... So when it's she her woke friend up, seeing this. Her friend yeah. would have known nothing about my story. Yeah, right. So her friend woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of keys jingling. And she thought somebody was messing about in the living room, like trying to leave the house or something. She kind of like woke up and she looked and there was like a hooded figure floating over Kim's sleeping body. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> that's and just so, going to terrify me. That's well, fine. and so the next day, Kim said there was like your neighbors or something had came over to the house because they were like, hey, last night we heard somebody go coming through the woods behind your with house. Keys. And we, yep. With yep. keys. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the night that, that Kim's friend the spent the night. There was, there was keys that would go up and down. The, I, I know all about the keys. I, I didn't know about the hooded figure. Um, and I personally, Never saw anything. I felt things, but I never saw anything. It is, you know, but different people are, you know. And, you know, Kim said she never saw anything, but her friend did. Yeah. While Kim was sleeping, you know. Oh, I, I mean, certain, and, and, you know, some people are just open to certain things. I, I, you know, this was one of the craziest stories I had ever heard in my life. And he was a good friend of mine. He's not a ghost person at all. He's a real estate agent. Does not believe in ghosts. As far as I know. At all. Or at least he's just, he's just normal. You know, whether he believes mm -hmm. or not, he's just not vocal. about it. I said, Scott, you got to tell me the craziest story that you've ever had as a real estate agent. And he said, Brian, there was a house. It was in Fairview Park, Ohio. He goes, we could not sell it. It was abandoned for a couple of years. And it was one of those that had, uh, they, they put dust covers over all the furniture and stuff like that, that was left in there. And there really wasn't that much left in the house, period. And they had tried to sell this house to so many different people. Nobody wanted it. It wasn't like the market is now where people are just buying anything. But so... This young couple, they said, for shits and giggles, let, just walk us through the house. We're not interested in it, but let's just go through it. He, he said it had a, a downstairs and an upstairs. And he goes, the house was completely quiet. We'd never heard any stories about this place. We'd never heard anything weird about this place. He goes, We're, I'm giving this tour. So we get up to the second floor. He goes, there's a hallway on the second floor that there's about three or four rooms branch off of, and all the doors were closed. And he goes, I couldn't remember which one's the bathroom, which ones were the bedrooms. So we were going through, 
we're going to open each door just to see what it looks like. They open the first one up. It's the bathroom. It was in the hallway. You know, then they go through. They open the next one up. It's a regular bedroom. It's basically completely stripped. Uh, nothing but maybe like a ceiling fan left in there. Opens the third one. This one, out. Jesus, just saying it just freaks me out. They open the third one. Completely quiet in the room. He says, it's fully furnished. Little boy is sitting watching television in the room. His back is to you, so you can't see his face. You can just see that the television is on. No, no, no. His back is to you. He is watching something on television, does not turn around to say, Somebody in this empty house just opened this door. I'm saved. Nothing. He said he turns around to see if the people he's showing the house to see the same thing. His mouth is on the floor. He said they were already out the fucking front door. They had run (laughs) out of the house. And he said he never saw them again. They didn't even want to talk to him about getting another property. Oh, my God. Is he kidding me? That's one of the best stories I've ever heard as a real estate agent. Best story I've ever heard. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, now I got to tell you one. Okay. You know, you know, Brooks has been Jerry. Uh, absolutely. Okay, so he works for like a gas company or something. And he was called out on a job. This is how he told me the story. He was called out on a job at some really ritzy neighborhood, like really huge homes, really, really nice neighborhood. And he's like, dang, what do these people do for a living? But he's pulling up. He's got to go. But it's a really old house, like a big Victorian style house. Yeah. And the only way he can get to turn the gas on or something is he's got to knock the door, go down into the basement, fiddle around with some stuff to turn like he's got to actually turn it on for him. Okay. And so he knocks the door and this old lady you know she she opens the door he says hi i'm from the gas company i'm here to fix your gas or turn it on whatever what what have you whatever the job was he was supposed to do and she just kind of points at the basement and he's like what the like okay hi (laughs) she just opens the door and she like points to the basement like go ahead and so he's down there in the basement and he's working trying to figure it out and it's really dark in there he's got a flashlight whatever Next was he by he himself knows, or would he have somebody with him? He was by himself. Oh, okay. And so the next thing he knows, the police, like he can hear them pulling up, like woo, woo, woo. And then he, they, like he can hear the door slam and he can hear them coming down into the basement. And he's like, what the heck? And they're like, hey, stop what you're doing. Put your hands up. And he's like, what's going on? Like, I'm doing my job. I'm just trying to turn this lady's gas on. Like, why'd she come? He was like, that bitch, she called the cops on me. And so they're like, you're breaking and entering. And he's like, I'm literally, the old lady upstairs let me in the house. She told me I could come down in the basement, turn this gas on. Like, I'm not breaking and entering. And they were like, there's nobody home right now. You're breaking and entering. And he was like, go ask that lady upstairs if she didn't open the door and let me in. And so they all go upstairs. And then I guess because the cops are called, uh, whoever owns the house, their daughter comes over because she's like, hey, you know, I saw the police. Uh, lights I'm just making sure everything's okay and he goes I'm here to turn on somebody's gas and he sees like a family photo on the wall and he goes that lady right there she let me in she told me I could go to the basement she said my mom 
She's been dead for years. Oh my God. And literally, it nobody could ever figure out what happened. Jerry swears to this day that it was the lady in the photo let him in the door. And the cops just let him go. Like, they were like, okay, it must have been a mix-up. Like, just do what you need to do down there and yeah, get out. Yeah, because they're like, I ain't, I'm not <laughs> Because you can tell when somebody's being serious. Like, they probably, he probably said that with such conviction. Like, hey, assholes. The woman upstairs let me in. Put your guns down. He did. You know how Jerry is, too. For the old woman upstairs. (laughs) You idiots. He did, too. He was like, that bitch called the cops on me. She lets me in, then the bitch calls the cops on me. She's obviously senile. Jerry swears to God he he saw that lady that was in the picture and he said oh, she let me in that house. I'm sure she did. Mm-hmm. And you know, that is so weird. And it does make you wonder though, how many of us have had encounters that we don't even know? Right. You don't even know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was working at the steel plant one time, um, and this place is, you know. 130 years old and you've got mass quantities of people that have passed away there and uh i mean we lose about four people a year at the steel mill it's right now not to mention what the way it used to be and i was working on a floor one time and we have cameras up all over the place and i was in the room when somebody goes I can't remember the actual guy's name, but we're going to call him Dan. He goes, I just saw Dan walk by. I can, I swear to God, Dan just walked by. I'm like, okay, great. Dan just walked by. That's okay. (laughs) Like who gives a shit? You know, (laughs) on the camera, you saw Dan walk by. Nobody cares. Well, Dan was dead for like five years and he had died (laughs) there on the BO in the BOF. And I'm like, oh my god! So, did you ever see Dan? I hope. I, maybe I did. Maybe I met him. <laughs> maybe he bummed a cigarette off me. I have no idea. <laughs> you know, that's the screwed up part down there. <clears throat> but um, yeah, so those are some of the little interesting stories I have from the past. Did you go ghost hunting or something with Kim? Yep. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Um, And this is actually coming up. We just had the anniversary of the the time where we just got back because I got got it in my Facebook memories, my picture. Um, And we went to a place. It's in Colorado. Estes Park is the city name. And it's right outside of Rocky Mountain National Park. And it's a place called the Stanley Hotel, which a lot of people are probably familiar with because it's a hotel that Stephen King stayed at where he had the thought of uh, writing the book, The Shining. And uh, so it's got a lot of history and uh, it's actually 
a place where the movie Dumb and Dumber with Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels was shot. They shot a bar oh, scene Oh, yeah, there. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and there is an interesting story about Jim Carrey there because, so he decided to say, he said, I want to stay in room 214, which is on the second floor, obviously, and that is supposedly the room that is the most haunted. And there's a story behind the room 214 at the Stanley. But this particular time, Jim Carrey comes in. He's staying in there. Apparently, he lasted two hours. Ran out of the room. Left all his stuff behind. Said, I'm not coming back in there. I refuse to go back in there. I'm not going to go back in that room ever. And to this day, he will not tell anybody what he saw or heard in that room. And I tried to look it up online to see like if he's now he's come never forward. talked about it no but uh, you can do a ghost tour there and um they'll go over all the different spirits you know they, they have a maintenance man spirit there's a mirror that has a bunch of uh like nobody knows where this mirror came from it showed up on the property years and years and years ago and Again, it's one of these stories where, like, you stare into the mirror long enough and, like... Is, it, is that mirror in that room Jim Carrey stayed in? No, it's it's in the basement now. But who oh, knows what it used okay. to be. It's part of the tour. You can go down and see it. And there's also a little, like, concert hall that uh, is uh, where they used to have, like, plays or something. And you go and sit there and you listen to the different stories and... Uh, and there was a little girl too, not a little girl, but she was maybe like 13 or 14. And she had snuck into the Stanley when it was winter time and it gets real cold there in the winter. And apparently like, they're like, you can't stay here. Cause like she broke in and, uh, she was real cold and she left and she ended up freezing to death. And supposedly her ghost still haunts the Stanley. Um, but yeah there's all these little stories um to be honest with you though and i don't know how anybody else had felt but i didn't get those same feelings i got in a lot of these other places i've been mm-hmm. when i was here when i was at the stanley like i didn't get those feelings of like feeling like i was being watched or chills or there's just an uneasy feeling you sometimes get. I always say, listen to your gut, whether it be about people, places, or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like there's just some kind of sixth sense you have about like avoiding. Was your things. room anywhere near the the Jim Carrey room? Yes, we stayed on the same floor. We were three doors down. That was it. Oh, that's awesome, though. So it is. do you and, have to like a, make reservations cool way ahead of time? What's that? I said you would probably have to make reservations like years ahead of time to get in that room though, huh? Maybe, maybe. Now you can get close to that room and you can definitely get in to do a ghost tour, um, you know, with the exception of a few like very popular nights. You know, I'm sure oh, yeah. there are certain nights like uh, Halloween and things like that that are very hard to get in. But if you're at all into that sort of thing it just as 
to go in there for the history of the place is really cool because the, the rooms are still pretty much set up kind of like it, they might have been 80 oh, years yeah, ago yeah, with the yeah. exception of like large screen televisions and stuff like that but yeah it's cool it's definitely cool it's would different. you go back oh yeah i've stayed there twice oh there. okay <laughs> and i probably not... do the ghost tour again too just did they make it... you pay for it yes yeah is it expensive it, i didn't think it was too bad i think it was like 15 bucks or something oh okay because you know they got to make money somehow if it's like an old oh yeah they're, and... they're 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 making money with that and they when you go in there's like a lego model of the stanley and they still have oh okay they have all sorts of fun people show up and if you're really into other things like whiskey they have, they have the stanley has the largest whiskey collection of any place in colorado so there's like a thousand or thirteen hundred different types of whiskeys you can try there. Dang! Yeah, I think you pretty, told me that before, nice. and I was like, "What?" I know, I know. And and that bar, the whiskey bar, is where they shot the Dumb and Dumber scene. So the bar scene in Dumb and Dumber, where he's in the bar and they're dressed like cowboys and looking stupid, that was in the Stanley. So it makes you wonder why they didn't just use the Stanley in The Shining. Well, you know what they did do. It's interesting that you brought that up. Um, so the, Stephen King was so disappointed with the original Shining and Stanley Kubrick's version of it. Mm-hmm. He actually made a TV series that they shot at the Stanley for the Shining. Oh, I, you know, I never knew that. Yeah. And I've never seen it. It was like maybe it might have been like a seven part t- television series or something. And Stephen King is actually in the show so (laughs) that's cool yeah yeah no that's cool but it's not the first like haunted hotel story though because there was that um because we talked about the cecil hotel yeah and so there's a documentary on netflix and i think there's one other one about what happened to elisa lamb at the cecil hotel yep and what is so I'm sure everyone is familiar with it. She it was in 2013. She stayed at the hotel. She she was exhibiting some weird behavior and then they find her body on the rooftop of the hotel floating in the hotel's water supply in the tank. Yeah. And you're like what are your And it thoughts? was closed. It was closed from the outside from and the left. outside. Yep. That's the weirdest your part thoughts. to me. you know i that is such a hard one i really am so confused at that story because not the story actually it's not even a story it's it's reality i'm just Mm -hmm. so confused with that reality you i kind of you know i can't remember I, it's been a while since I saw the documentary, and I can't remember if they sh- they said she was having problems with anybody, but not that that would matter. But, like, it's not in the, if I remember right, the Cecil's really not in the best area. It it used to be, which is why it was such a grand hotel, is, like, they built it, like, way yeah. back ago when that area was nice. But then it turned out to be, like, years and years and years later, it turned into, like, Skid Row. Yeah. 
and I don't know if like, you know, she was suffering from things and then maybe the wrong person saw her because the one thing that just gets me about the whole thing is how she ended up in a water tank. If Mm -hmm. she climbed in it herself, she's most likely not closing it and locking it from the top. Well, she was so tiny. She was a very small little woman. And so there's the the footage of her in the elevator acting like weird and like, like pressing all the buttons and like having a conversation with no one. And staring outside, like holding the door, like looking, peering out, like somebody's coming down the hall. I remember seeing that. So, yeah, it was almost, it was almost like, so there's two ways you can approach it. You can approach it like a conspiracy theorist and say, somebody did that to her or there there was some agenda going on they they did that to her on purpose or you could go the other route and say who was she talking to in the elevator like was she seeing something that we can't see on camera i i can't tell you that i i don't know and you know that that hotel has a crazy history of its own right because so- Richard Ramirez stayed there. Actually, he lived on the top floor of the hotel. And the actress Elizabeth Short, a.k.a. the Black Dahlia, also frequented the hotel bar in her last days before she died. Oh, that's very interesting. And then... That would have been... Uh, what 40s early 40s mm-hmm. and okay. then there was an austrian serial killer jack Un- unterweger i don't even know who that is and no, he, his nickname is the vienna strangler okay who stayed there i've but never heard like, of him thankfully yeah and it's just it's really weird um and the thing about don't you think that if it was locked from the outside, maybe somebody found her in there and was like, oh, shit. And they just were like, let me lock this up and let's. You know, didn't they go over how hard it was to get up onto that roof? From... It was extremely hard. All the doors were locked. You had to have security codes to get through up to the top of the roof. It, it was just like. This, and it's then... just so mind boggling to me. I mm-hmm. have no freaking idea how she got, how her body got up there. I don't know if she was killed before she, I, I can't, what did they say about like, did they find anything? Did, did, was the cause of death drowning? Or... Accidental drowning. Oh, wow. And so, so no marks I feel on like the body that were strange, nothing, no bruising, nothing. no bludgeoning, no nothing. Nothing. And the thing about it, too, is, Brian, it's like you could go at it from a paranormal thing. Like maybe she got possessed while she was staying at the hotel. She started talking to herself. She was acting erratic. Who knows how she got up to the rooftop. Then they like, what was it? Either weeks or months later, somebody goes and stays at the hotel and they're like, yo, this water tastes like dog shit and it stinks. Y'all need to check it out. It was turning a different color, wasn't it? Yes. That's how badly she was decomposed. Oh. God. (laughs) I'm telling you, Brian, it's crazy. But the funny thing is there was a Japanese movie called Dark Water. And the whole 
premise of the movie was what actually happened to her. And it came out in 2002. And literally the whole plot of the movie is exactly what happened to her. Like these people move into an apartment building. They start experiencing strange paranormal activity. And then their water is stinking and it's funny color and they can't figure out what's wrong with it. And they go to the rooftop and there's a freaking dead girl in the water tank. And then that's in 2002. And then we go to 2013, literally how she was found, all the details of the crime scene, all of the the strange activity, it matches up with that movie. And it's just like weird. So in that movie, they actually have, do they like go back and show like that woman's erratic like behavior? Like, uh, well, well, yeah, I mean, I have watched like, like a lot of clips of it, but I haven't watched it like from start to finish. So I'm sure there's some stuff in there like that, but it's just funny to me how it, before she, Elisa Lamb ever died at the hotel, there's this whole movie where that's the plot. Is a young girl dying in the water tank and it changes the water to a funny taste and color. And there's paranormal activity in the apartment complex. And then they end up finding her in there. That is, I I had never heard about that. And uh, that's really, it's called dark water. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense. There is actually an American version of that movie as well. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I'll send it to you after we get done, but you have to watch it. It's so weird. Some of the coincidences and it was like they they tried to figure out what happened to her, but it but then it was like they just tried to cover it up real fast. Yeah. It'd be like, oh, accidental drowning. She was on um, bipolar medication. She yep. had a mental breakdown and we think she she jumped in there and killed herself. And they said this in the movie? They said this. They said this in um, the Cecil Hotel documentary on Netflix. Oh, yeah, which I knew that. Yeah, okay. You can only go trust so far, like Netflix. Like I'm sure they're leaving stuff out, but then they went as far as to like accuse some musician. Do you remember that? Oh no! This is for he the was- Cecil. This is for the. Elisa Lamb? Yeah, yeah. So they released the footage of her in the elevator talking to herself. And so a bunch of people saw that video and were trying to figure it out for themselves, like just like you and I would. Like they were doing their own little investigations. People do that with all sorts of murders and deaths now. Mm-hmm. It's how yeah. they solve a lot of crimes. But but they just totally like they were like, it's conspiracy theories, and they weren't really looked into to the point where they could come to a conclusion to solve the case. They were comfortable with saying she overdosed on her bipolar medication and she was in a dazed, confused state and she ended up. But if you're in a dazed and confused state, how can you manage to get from your floor of the hotel up through all the security checkpoints to get to the roof, climb the ladder to get and then lift the lid, which takes a full grown man to lift the lid of the tank, get in the tank. And then how can you swim? Right, you're swimming in water, and then close the lid, and then drowned. And didn't and doesn't the lid like lock the top or something? Well, yeah. So I I have no explanation for how they found her with the lock locked from the outside. It was the maintenance man who went up there. He unlocked the lock on the outside of the tank, took all of his strength to 
flipped the lid open and then found her. But let's just say that he was mistaken and the lock wasn't locked. You still would have to be swimming in the water and propel yourself far enough upward between the empty space, the water, the empty space, and where the lid is to close the lid. And you also, for somebody who's so confused, it seems so... (laughs) It's um, preposterous. It's like planned. It seems planned, like, I'm going to climb in here, going to swim, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to close the lid. That's what somebody that, you know, has a plan would do. Not somebody who's confused and just going through strange motions, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out the passcodes of uh, one, two, three, four to get up on the roof all of a sudden, you know, like, what, <laughs> what ultimate hacker who no, just pressed was... every button on the elevator has now figured out how to get through 12 security doors. I I mean, I get why it's so strange. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like you said, like, we weren't there, so we have no idea what really happened. It's an unsolved murder to me. In my mind, it's like an unsolved murder. Yeah. But there are, They closed the case. I know they closed the case on it. Yeah, and there are like other strange coincidences like with those all those murderers having lived there and like that's dark energy. You know, that oh, whole yeah. place has like dark energy. Yeah. Yeah. It's been it's it's had its share. And it's mm-hmm. not just the famous cases either. You know, I know that they said some shady characters have been staying there for years and who knows what else has happened there in those rooms and Right. And I mean, it's it's kind of like one of those things where, like with the Black Dahlia, is yeah, she used to go to the bar there, whatever. It's not like she was murdered there, but it's like a lot of like weird activity. <laughs> it's like that hotel draws in. Like, you, have you ever watched American Horror Story? Uh, yes, I watched the um, the first season. Okay, well, the, the one season called Hotel is literally, I think it might have been based off of the Cecil Hotel. That the hotel draws in dark energy. Like the hotel itself has like kind of like a vortex around it that draws in negative people. Isn't that weird? It's weird, but it's interesting. Mm -hmm. But you know, you you can see that 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 can happen. I mean, it it makes sense that that would happen. You know, just that like people that want to hide or like they're going to be drawn to a certain type of place. You know. Exactly, exactly. Which brings me to our honorary question on the show. Okay, I like this. What is your favorite scary movie? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I love scary movies. I, I know, I knew you would love the honorary question. And you know what? I'm, I'm obviously a huge ghost person. Um, those are my favorite. Uh, but recently, one of my favorites that came out, and I would I rewatch it is The Conjuring. And I know they have <gasps> you know a whole bunch of series on it, but that that original one, that's probably my favorite. The first really. one where they do the clap clap. Yes, loved it. But you gotta admit, the Brian, witch ghost Bathsheba, the hanging 
person outside like she just wants to go after the children just totally freaky but you gotta admit the second one love the second one okay it's i think it's better than the first one though because it's got that nun love that follows her around her house valak and Alec yes, is the, the nun. yes. Yeah. So I was watching that one night with Zachary, and he does not do scary movies <laughs> at all. And so I begged him. I said, I really want to watch the second Conjuring movie. I haven't seen it yet. And he was like, Oh my god, okay. The part where they're watch, she's watching TV. Yeah. And the TV keeps cutting off, and it keeps cutting off. She keeps turning on and keeps cutting off. And the last time the TV cuts off. You see the old man sitting in the chair behind her. I know. I almost died. Zachary had a full heart attack. He had a brain aneurysm. I was screaming. I was like, oh my God. And that tall motherfucker. He had such a The skinny man. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, just the sense that they had that little girl, like, he speaks through her. At that one point. Yes, 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 yes. The Conjurings are great. I got so excited when they just recently had that new one. And they played it on HBO Max. Yeah, and it's it's the Ed and Lorraine Warren story is so interesting. And they did Amityville, like in real life. Like that was one of their biggest cases. It's like Amityville. Mm -hmm. And then you, if you go and look up the tapes from the second Conjuring movie, you can actually hear the recording of when that old man was talking through that little girl. Uh, what was his name? It's like, I'm, I'm Bill Paxton. I'm 93 years old. I'm going to kill the kids and get out of my house. Bill Paxton. <laughs> All right, Brian. Any, uh... All the kids, all the kids in my house were running out of the room. They were... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because so, we any closing thoughts, together. Brian? What's that? Any closing thoughts? Uh, no, just uh, you know, it's interesting. Just uh, I think my best closing thought would be just listen to your gut and uh, keep your eyes open and. Uh, you know, you just may uh, you you just may be talking to a ghost and not know it. You know, <laughs> keep a nightlight on. <laughs> keep a nightlight on. Absolutely. Right. Well, thank you everyone for listening, and have a great night and happy Friday the thirteenth. Oh yeah, you you guys probably thought that this episode was over but no (laughs) I actually discovered something really cool that I just absolutely had to add on to the end of this episode there was a spider tingle and I was like I wonder if I look up this house that my cousin Brian was just talking about that he lived in and all that crazy shit happened if anybody is still living there because and I hope he doesn't get mad at me for saying this but his grandfather passed away in the house and then later on his father actually passed away in the house as well so going on realtor.com put in the address of the house 
And I find that it was built in 1955. And I'm assuming the first time it sold in 2008 was when my family moved out of the house and when his father had passed away. But then it sold again in 2009. And then it was listed again in April of 2011. And they dropped the price five times while it was listed in 2011. And finally sold in December of 2011. And then sold again in 2017. And is currently on the market. So... You may be saying, but people buy and sell houses all the time, sometimes even the same house. But I do find it interesting nobody can live in that house long term (laughs) without selling. So I thought that was interesting. I thought that was something cool to add on to just tie this all together for you. But thank you so much for listening. And... Have a great day.